Welcome to Trowadron Legends and Lore. Episode 38, The Pantheonic and Titanic Ages. Well, hello and welcome to Trowledon Legends and Lore. I'm Chad Corey. This is episode 38, the second episode in the fourth season, if you can believe it or not, of this series. And we started off episode 37 last month, a new, I guess you can say a mini-series within this series, talking about the various aspects or elements of the unrecorded timeline of Trilodron. We'll be talking more about that in just a moment. Wanted to encourage people, if you had any questions or commentary you wanted to share about this or previous episodes, do feel free to send it to Lore, that's L-O-R-E, at Chad Corey, that's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com. And what I'll try and do is get a couple episodes in this year to answer questions, whether they're related to what I've been talking about or other things. You might have questions about the books or things like that. I'll see if I can get to those as well. And it's always interesting, and I'm always curious to learn where you're finding these podcasts, how you came across them. So if you're able to share, you know, what devices you or devices or platforms you're getting them off of and what part of the country or world you're getting access to them, that would be helpful for me. Not just because it's kind of a fun curiosity thing, but I like to see kind of what the potential reach is and what what's working, what isn't, and better tailor make and improve things as we move along in this new year and this new season. And real quick here for those who don't know, or maybe for those who do, uh, the Shadow Regent is the latest book in the Trilodon lineup of books and stories, and it will be available next month, March twenty first, twenty twenty three, and it is still available for pre order for those who want to take advantage of that. It is going to be coming out in a print, digital, and audiobook format, which I'm very uh, thankful and excited to see. It's been a long time coming in some ways, but I've really been looking forward to getting this next installment in the, I guess you can say, series or line, whatever you want to call it, out there to the greater public. It is a standalone book for those who don't know, which means you can just plug right in. There's nothing that you have to do precursory to get into it or enjoy, and it is done at the end of the book. You don't have to wait for the next installment of a series to continue the storyline. There are elements, obviously, that tie into things that took place in the past, but you don't have to necessarily know what happened previously to enjoy it. But if you have read the previous trilogy, the Wizard King trilogy, there are aspects and elements that are, I guess you can say, more or less like Easter eggs or things like that, which will add some resonance and depth and kind of fun expansion to what has already transpired. But again, it's not... Not a precursor, we have to read the Wizard King trilogy to enjoy this particular book. At least that's how I wrote it. We'll see what people think after they get into it, but I'm looking forward to get it out there. And like I said, I'll be doing a tour for that, which you can take a look at. That information now is listed on my website, chatcory.com. I'm not going to get into all the details on it on this particular podcast, but just encourage you to go to the website, chatcory.com, and they'll list all the the dates and places that I will be getting out there and doing things. And I would encourage you to check that out and maybe to subscribe to social media uh, at Chad at Creator Chad and uh, get more updates and things of that nature if you're interested in that. And always uh, you can always subscribe to the newsletter as well, which there'll be a link on my website to get into 
and I'll let you know what's going on there as well. I do plan on doing more events throughout the year. This is just a tour tied specifically for this book. And as you can see, or will see if you go there, I will be getting to more places besides things in Minnesota. I'm actually branching out and going into other areas, at least in the region, and that is a good step in the right direction, I think, reaching more people, getting more connections, and, and so on and so forth. So, there's that. And one more thing real quick here, wrapping up this these podcasts, these episodes I will be sharing for at least this part of the series, you can go and find more expansive information about at the Trollodern website. Then that's T-R-A-L-O-D-R-E-N dot com. And I will be sharing uh, more updates and information on there throughout the year. Right now, there's a pretty good chunk of text and information listed. We cover some basic things like the people, the planet, the pantheon, uh, the history, various elements of that cut in there. Plus, there's some fun things like wallpapers and more information about the books and, and other things I'll be adding in the, the weeks and months ahead. So I would encourage you, if you want to augment what you're already hearing on these podcasts, go check that out. And you can also follow along on the social media channel just for Trollodern, which is just obviously Trollodern, T-R-A-L-O-D-R-E-N. And that's going to be on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I think that covers all the basics. Let's delve into what we're talking about today, which is the Pantheonic and Titanic Ages. Now, a really quick rehash. We're getting into what is called the unrecorded period of time for Trollodern, or unrecorded time for short, I guess. And that is an element of time that the people on the planet of Trollodern really didn't know how to timeline. Obviously, there is a timeline. There is stuff that took place, and there is kind of a chronology of things, which, which I know about, and I am you know, keeping my reference. But for the people living on the planet who came after all this, it was kind of hard to figure out you know, a, a rough idea of what took place. And so they just give you a series of events in a you know chronological order, but they don't necessarily give you a, a solid chunk of time, although there are several scholars and such in the past who have tried to give a working rough estimate, and that kind of has been used for many things to begin making the, the timelines for what's used in modern times. But, you know, no one's 100% sure on this side of the the cosmos what what took place in the entirety of the, the timeline itself as far as the range of years go. So we'll be talking about, we're not going to be giving dates, I guess I'm saying, but we're talking more like the same fashion, giving a chronological assessment of all the dates that took place, of all the ages that took place, excuse me, and go from there. So last episode, we talked about the beginning and then the Thangarian age, which was the establishment of the Titans and then their fall and kind of what happened with the beginning of the Pantheonic Age. Now, we're going to get into the Pantheonic Age, and this was obviously following the, the fall of the Thangarian Empire and the death of their parents. The children of Vicar and Zora, these would be the gods, took power and ruled instead, and they formed what became known as the Pantheon. And it was during this age that the gods created Trollodron and many of the races which came to live on the world. And each god also increased the realms, their power and influence, which they continue to do into the modern day. And I'm not going to, like I said in previous episodes, get into all the specifics about each of the gods because we spent a considerable amount of time covering each and every one of them. Needless to say, though, there is about, if I remember correctly, 13 original gods that came about who formed various factions. This would be the light gods, the gray gods, the dark gods, 
and I talked some more about that in, in previous episodes as well. If you want to run down on that, go to the website, trialloader.com, click under the Pantheon page, and they'll explain more about that to you. But in short, you have more or less three different factions that formed after the fall of Vakar and Zora, who were the first gods, self-raised, after um, they took power from their previous titanic lineage. And they were geared more or less towards certain philosophies that were more aligned with their thinking of how the universe or the cosmos should be run. And in line with that, they formed this pantheon, this council, excuse me, that met on the ruins of their former homeworld of Thangaria in the former palace of their father, Vakar. And that has been the case, as I said before, for an ongoing council meetings up until the modern time. In fact, we get introduced to that in, I think it was the second or third book of the Wizard King trilogy, and then we are introduced to it again, or go back to it, I guess we could say, with the Shadow Regent and uh, all that takes place there. But as I just read and described, this was a time period where Trollodon was created. Essentially what happened was uh, Gurthgal was stuck on the throne he took from his father after he was killed, and he had to stay on the throne of Vakar in order to maintain the integrity of the cosmos. Uh, without having someone on the throne, basically the entire cosmos would be destroyed. And even though he is and was a god of chaos, he was not too keen on having the entire cosmos and I guess everything around it, including himself, destroyed. So he, he took the throne and sat upon it and did so for as long as he could tolerate it, which was surprisingly longer than what most people thought it would be possible to do. And he began to have this plan to develop a way to get out of it, to get off of the throne. And that's where the formation of the council took place. Previous to that, you had a empire, the Thangarian Empire, that became fractured. And the various gods, who are also, we have to remember, princesses and princes of an imperial line, of a dynastic line, began to war amongst themselves for control of this empire. And it was a pretty extensive battle, a pretty extensive conflict that took place called the Dynastic Wars. And each, in a sense, was fighting amongst themselves for control of the empire, like you would think would be the case if the empire was still in existence. Girthgal, in his great wisdom, realized that basically the empire was done. Vakar was the last true emperor of the Thangarian Empire, and it wasn't really going to come back. The world was, you know, Thangaria was destroyed. The cosmos had been realigned, and it just needed, it was time for change, which you would think would be the thinking for a god of chaos, right? He wants change. And so he began to see a way to unite his family around a common concept while also changing the dynamic that had been the case for countless generations up till then with the Thangarian Empire. And he set about creating what was called the Pantheon, and in which the general idea was all the gods had an equal voice. They ruled over their own realm or plane, what have you, or both, as a mini-empire in, in of itself. So in essence, what they did is they took the empire and they divided it amongst themselves. And rather having a sole ultimate ruler for the entirety of it, they became their own rulers and their own sphere of influence and place of power and, and, and whatnot. And that became what is now known as you know the realms and the plains and the gods and their their domains, which 
exist up until the modern time. And then he united them around the concept of the council, which in a way kind of was a good idea, but in some ways caused some later problems because they had some further disputes, but I'll get into that in a moment. He was able to unite them, in, like I said, the, the council which and the pantheon, which saved, I think, the cosmos and maybe even, you know, well, the gods for sure, but the cosmos for certainly from constant war and conflict and brought about a peace that has lasted up until the modern time. And in the, the pantheon, they had, like I said, there's these councils that would get together when matters were, I guess you can say, that went beyond them. Otherwise, they were autonomous. They could rule their own realms, do what they wanted to do, as long as they didn't really infringe upon or hurt or hamper any other of the gods in their realms. Now, if there was something that if there was an inner, you know, inner god dispute, shall we say, or interplanetary, interdimensional dispute, they would then take it to the council and have a, a resolution resolved there because it was involving more than one deity. But you know, larger scope of things, like if there's a big challenge or a cosmic threat or something that involved the, the concentrated effort of all the gods to do, that was what called for the council to be created, and they would basically hash out or define their purpose and plan on it together collectively and then go from there. And in order to keep things, I guess you want to say, fair, or I, from, from things getting too rambunctious, shall we say, he established majority rule in the whole uh, scheme of things. So he realized, Grithkal realized early on, you're not going to have uniformity of opinion on, on anything. So he wanted to establish the, the rule, the majority rule, and what was voted. This morphed into having a leader speak to or bring up agenda points or things in each of the, the major factions that developed. So you had a leader of the dark gods, leader of the gray gods, leader of the dark uh, light gods, and then you have uh, them being able to sit collectively in the, I guess you don't want to say a tribunal, but that you have three of them ruling over the council, so there's not one uniform ruler, but in essence you have a tiebreaker who would be Ganagar. And so it's kind of a, I don't want to say a parliamentary system, but it's more of a democratically run, dynastic, divine <laughs> system of order, I, I guess you want to call it that. So there, there is some structure and order to it, even though at times it can be a little bit freeform and chaotic in nature. So that is what they had to develop with and, and, and grew with them. And what tied it all together in, in a way, and I guess you can say this might have been the genius of, of Girthgall, was the creation of Traladrin. Because he realized if there was something that all the gods were invested in collectively, they'd be more likely to stay united and work together to not only preserve that, but to foster other creative endeavors and, and, and uh, more friendly ideals and relations going forward. And so that was what in part generated the creation of Traladrin and the whole Traladrin system also what generated that, the genesis of that, was his desire to leave the throne of Akar. And he realized if he got all the pantheon together to make Trilodon and that universe and create life on it and everything, that would be just enough to tip the scales to allow him to sneak off the throne and gain his freedom as well. So that's exactly what he did. And they ended up tying the throne to Trilodon, which we learn more about what happened to it in the later years of the millennia that followed with the Wizard King trilogy, and I guess to a lesser extent, the Shadow Regent, which is just coming out as well. And that, I said, that's kind of the summation of what the Pantheonic Age entailed. 
it maintained an order and it continues to maintain an order up until the present moment now for all those years. And it has served well, surprisingly, <laughs> despite the former uh, found, former foundations of it, which were very chaotic and, uh, and warring. And uh, as I said, the, the creation of childhood, I think we talked about in previous episodes, so I'm not going to get too much into that. But needless to say, that is the, the nutshell of what the pantheonic age uh, entails. And following that, or tied into that, I guess you can say, because the pantheonic age is now going to be the overarching age that encompasses not just unrecorded time, but recorded time, because I said it's still in effect. Kind of what comes under that, or all these other ages that follow after that, will be kind of, you know, subcategories of that, if that makes sense, under the umbrella. But following that is the Titanic age, and that is named primarily for what took place on Trilodron. You had the creation of Trilodron, and then they sent, the gods sent some titans to basically inhabit, colonize, if you will, the world of Trilodron. Because as I said previously on the last episode, the titans had a history of colonizing and dominating different worlds. And so it just seemed very natural to the gods to think, oh, well, this, we made a new world, let's, uh, let's colonize, let's dominate it, so let's send titans, because they didn't have a whole lot of other races at the time that could dominate and uh, kind of take place on the, you know, take control of the planet. So they put the Titans down there, and it was ruled by them who migrated from Thangaria. Not every Titan, but there was a section of them that wanted to go to the new, the new planet. And they became the rulers of the world before any of the other races could dominate the planet. And at first, uh, they were a peaceful people, but soon they grew jealous of the gods, and they wished to be like them, and then greater than them. And they are kind of strong enough, like I said in previous episodes, about how their power structure is based and what they can do and cannot do. Again, these were the people, the, the race from which the original god stemmed. Vicar was a titan. He was a titan lord. And so was Zora. She was a titan lady of time, I believe. And that, you know, so they have a, a strong purpose, I guess you can say, or a strong core for which you can draw upon. So it makes sense that the gods would put them there on one hand, but it also makes sense that they would want to have a, a kind of a place, a larger place in the scheme of things with the new order that the gods established with the Pantheonic Age. Uh, mighty in nature and ability, they ravaged Trilodron in their battles with the Lenorms, and those are some of the creatures that the gods created in trying to forge their dreams of greater glory into reality. And ultimately, this would drive them to unleash some of the darkest times Trilodron has ever known and alter the course of the planet and its population forever. And what that references there is we're talking about in their drive for power, they would try and seek ways to ultimately try and outdo the gods because there is a philosophy among some of them that, you know, hey, these guys are just, just like us. They just happen to find a way to grab some extra power. They're talking about Vicar. And if it wasn't for that, they there would be no gods. So we, you know, do we really have to obey them? Do we really have to, you know, put up with them? You know, this is our planet now. We're living here. We took control of it. You know, do we have to endure them? Can't we just step up and become gods ourselves? And some of them discovered that the the throne of a car was placed or anchored on the world of Trilodron, and that gave them the idea that hey, you know, we can grab it for ourselves. We can become gods, and we can you know, take these gods out and become our own dynasty. Because again, they're living in the the new reality of the Pantheonic Age, which has them understanding that the empire has been shattered and people have the ability to carve out their own pockets of their own 
realms, dimensions, what have you, for their own greater glory. So you can't really necessarily fault them for the line of thinking because it was very prevalent in that time period. And again, you're dealing with the people who are used to dominating and ruling over large swaths of territory to begin with. You know, some of them were bitter towards the gods because they looked at themselves as thinking, well, hey, we're stuck on this planet now. Let's let's make the best of it. Others wanted to kind of great, increase their ability. And that's where you had the rise of the the Lords of Trollodon, which we talked about in previous episodes. You can delve into that as well. And the Lenorms, the reference there made, we are talking about the original uh, original dragons, I guess you want to call them that way. They're they're not winged, but there are they're more like the they were inspired in part by the uh, Scandinavian dragons, which were more or less serpentine in nature and had two two forelimbs. But they are powerful beings that uh, Grithgall actually created to help release them from the throne, which didn't work at the time, and led him to the idea of the council and creating Trollodon. But they were some of the original inhabitants of Trollodon. They were quite powerful and equal to, if not in some cases, more powerful than the Titans and gave rise to a lot of wars and battles that took place. And it was part of those wars and battles, as well as the desire to be free of the gods, that led some of the Titan lords, the lords of Trollodon, to go in this direction that might not have been the best advised. But again, when you're fueled by jealousy and anger and hatred and stuff, you don't always have the best thinking process at play and so that led them to create the desire to make a portal to the abyss and the idea was that they would bring back their fallen brethren who fought against Vakar in the beginning who might want a chance at a, a redo with his lineage and establish a new titanic age which had the titans ruling supreme over the gods and their order that they established and that is where we're going to end it for this particular episode. We'll get into what happens next, next episode. But thank you for listening. I do appreciate that. And again, any comments, comments or questions or commentary you want to share, do send them my way at lore at chadcory.com. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved.